So, Sean, would you mind telling me, you were going to tell me a story. Yes, it happened about 40 years ago. And at that time, there was the battery radios, no electricity, electric radios at the time. And this man used to get them charged. And I went up for the battery up in my own townland. And... OK, let's slow down a bit here. This, this is Sean O'Rourke from Leitrim. And he's telling me a story about something odd that he experienced when he was about five or six. It has to do with a battery. We had a radio and it was used with a battery, wet battery, you used to call them. Right. And used to, this man used to bring them away to charge them. Radios used to work on so-called wet batteries that generated power from an electrolyte solution and a pair of electrodes. These were the original rechargeables and as such had to be charged every so often. And when he was about five or six, Sean was sent off to collect a wet battery that was being charged by a man who used to go door to door collecting them and then charging them for people. However, on the way home, something unusual happened. I had the battery in my hand and it was screeching the whole way down. The battery was making an unusual high-pitched sound as he was carrying it home. And for once I came in and my own sleep, it quit. The battery was screeching, it's yeah, making hand, a noise. The handle of the battery was screeching. Like a, like a, like a pail, like a milk pail, the handle squeaking yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, A shrill whistle. You'd hear it a mile away nearly. If you, if you, you're about to do it. If you did, it would have been very loud. I don't know how to do it. Very good. I, I get your sense. So it's this shrill whistle is coming from the, not from the radio, but from the battery. But anyway, anyway once I came in and all one street, it quit. Huh. Anyway, that night... My mother was cooking at the table and she was facing Schlieven-Iron Mountain. Sean's mother was looking out at Schlieven-Iron, Iron Mountain, a hill that lies just east of Loch Allen and northeast of Drumshambo. And, oh, she says, look at the mountain, it's all lights. Lights. Sean's mother saw what looked like Christmas tree lights twinkling all over the hills. It was like the stars in the sky, they were that plentiful. So you're saying why the whole mountain had lit up? It wasn't. Was it the sky above the mountain? No, or? no. Actually, a mountain lights, little lights. Wow. Yeah, lights, covering lights. Amazing. And and she says there's something going to happen. And something did happen. Something odd. Our neighbours next door, they had a brother in England mm. and the war came that he was after dying. But that's not the odd thing that happened. A day later, one day after the relation in England died... There was a friend of my mother's. She used to go down home. And while she was walking home that night, the evening after the death in England, as she was walking along a small, quiet country road, suddenly... What she described as about a hundred people appeared out of nowhere on one side of the road and crossed over to the other. So she says she's walking home at night and she sees this a horde of, of folk, of entities, of beings that she doesn't recognise. They crossed the road and down onto the house and she got afraid. That, oh, wait, that, that's even amazing. Yeah, yeah. What would you do? I don't know. So what is going on here? Mysterious figures appearing out of the blue. 
but not in any dramatic body snatchers or extraterrestrial way. It's more run-of-the-mill than that. In fact, it's the normality and commonness that strikes me, that the fairy folk would just appear at times. And I presume this is what Sean is suggesting. That was amazing, wasn't it? Um, do you think, was it connected to the death of the neighbour in England? Uh, we believe it was, because some says that if, you, if there's no Aramak in your name, these things can happen to you. The fairy folk would suddenly appear yeah. at a time of death? Yes, yes. Amazing. Yeah. And had that ever happened in the area before, do you think? I don't you've... know. I don't know, but I don't think it has happened since. don't think so. It also reminds me of those, weren't they great, those forced marches for the famine, you know, where people were going either to the port or somewhere else. Yeah. And a lot of them died. If they were on the coffin ships, they were making their way across the land. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either, but I think that's the gist of it anyway, you know. I envy Sean and all of our forebears going back generations for whom this type of encounter was relatively commonplace. I'd love to live in a world where the enchantment was still so alive. That a mountain could light up like a Christmas tree for some entirely inexplicable reason. And do you think, would there be a lot more of those type of stories that we're losing now in the area? Probably would, you know, there's a lot of stuff lost. Mm. Absolutely. Say the stuff lost, because there was an awful lot of stuff in this parish, Quantum. Because when I was small, I I used to be in the house and I'd be in my life with all these ghost stories. And stories like about the puka or evil fairies or like ghosts, a mix of everything, is it? Well... My cousin, he's dead about three or four years ago, but before he died, he was telling me he was in a house. And once he left, he heard the steps after him. And he was in the red. But once he crossed from one townland to the other, it quit. And he said that... So, so you see, he leaves the house probably at night and he hears these footsteps. Well, he was in this house, uh, I don't know, was there a woman dead or not? I think there was, a week. But I knew he left it. And he found the step behind him. And he could see no one. And for once he crashed into his own townland, from one townland to another, mm-hmm. it quit. Wow. Yes, amazing. But there was something about the borders between different kingdoms or townlands. Because yeah. wasn't there often that kings in the bog bodies, the old kings were buried in the bog, they were often on the division between lands. Yeah. And even the killing, you know, where the unbaptized babies were put, yeah. often on the division, yeah. as though the spirit couldn't cross over and yeah. get back into this life. Yeah. I feel I'm just scratching the surface of the stories and insights that Sean O'Rourke could probably share with me if I had the time. It's so often the same in this country. One encounters small hints at the vast folk knowledge still preserved in people's minds. But what can we do with it all? How should we best honour and maintain it? With every passing year, these people, these custodians of local lore, become fewer. We're fortunate to still live in these transitional times. 
And I, for one, am determined to keep seeking out and gathering stories that cast light on who we are and what gems we have on this damp, beautiful island of ours. You've been listening to The Almanac of Ireland, presented by me, Monaghan McGann, and produced by Colette Kinsella. The series was funded in part by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, and it's a Red Hair media production for RT Radio 1. All music in the series is by Blue Dot Sessions. <laughs>